So we're going to quickly recap here on uh, what happened. Let's get back to the text, Acts chapter 10. Cornelius, this oak is a disciplined military man. He's Italian from the Italian army. He knows God. He prays a bit, gives a bit of money. But this Italian man does not know Jesus. And so God sends an angel to Cornelius, this guy, and says to him, go and send some of your men to a town called Joffa, 50 k's away, and go and ask for a man by the name of Peter. He's staying at Simon the Tanner's house. Go knock on the door and say, hey, Peter, this Italian military man wants you to come and tell him about the things of God. And so the angel ducks, and this is where we pick it up here in verse 7 of chapter 10. As soon as the angel leaves Cornelius, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier and one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened, and then he sends them off to Joppa. Joppa, Joppa, I don't know. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, so it's taken Cornelius' oaks two days to walk 50 kilometers to go and knock on the door at Simon the Tanner's house and ask for Peter. And at that very moment, Peter's on the roof praying to God afternoon, and he gets a vision from God. From heaven, a sheet comes down. There's all different animals on the sheet. We spoke about them last week. The bunnies from the bunny park, pigs, rabbits, <laughs> hoopoos, bats. And, and God says to Peter, kill and eat. And, and Peter's like, not a chance, surely not. Be, because I've learned from the law, I can't eat that animal. I can't touch that meat. And God says, kill and eat. And he's like, surely not God, no ways. But God wasn't talking about anim animals. He's talking about different kinds of people. God's getting Peter's heart ready to go and talk to an Italian military man who Peter thought was unclean. Peter thought, not that oak. He's on the outside of God's promises because I'm a Jew. I'm from the chosen. And this oak's on the outside. God's getting Peter's heart ready to go and talk to that man who he thought was on the outside. And so Peter heads out to Cornelius' house 50 k's away. You know, guys, sometimes I think a little bit like Peter. I think that my 50-kilometer dusty road journey is long and hard and tough. But there's always somebody else who's walked a lot longer and a lot further than you. These oaks have walked 50 k's to get Pete. Now they're walking another 50 k's back. And Pete thinks, oh, I've got this long, hard, dusty 50 k road to walk. There's always someone else who's walked a lot further than what you have. My, my mate's wife loves her dog. Gets sick, puts in thousands of rands to try and get this dog better. The vet says, sorry. It's traumatic for them. But then you hear about another man in our city who had a hit on his life, and his dog gets killed by that man who tried to take him out in their own house. It's hard for them, but you hear about someone else going through a much more traumatic situation. Michelle and I were at a wedding on Friday afternoon. It was incredible, and then Saturday, we slept over. Early Saturday morning, we wake up now because we've got to rush back. I've got to prepare for a funeral. We open our door, and sitting outside was the, the, the mother of the bride who got married the night before, and she's sitting outside, the next, you know, the morning after the party's over, and, and I see her sitting there. I'm thinking, this mom has raised single-handedly her daughter, Loved, cared, protected, encouraged, absent father, 
And I wonder what she's thinking about as she sits there. It's like, my daughter's gone. My daughter's married now. My goals are accomplished. I'm thinking, it's hard for her, dusty, dusty road. And then we come home and we take part in a funeral for a lady in our city whose mom has passed on with cancer. Four months, she's gone. They, they're both hard, both tough. There's always someone who's, who's walked in a long, lot further dusty road than what we have. It's true, eh? Oh, we're sitting at the table. My wife's just had a major surgery done on her tooth, a bit of implant they didn't take. And I'm like, oh, babes, this is so tough for you. Then we sit next to a man. No, he's had four implants that are not really successful. So what if someone walked, walked a bit of a longer road than, than what you have, eh? So Peter's about to walk this 50K dusty road thinking, flip, God wants me to go all the way there on this dusty road to speak to this guy that I think's actually there, nobody. These have already walked 50Ks. He forgets that there's always someone who's walked further, longer. And our feet are going to get sore when we walk that dusty road, eh? They're going to get tired. The challenge for us, friends, is, is our hearts going to get hard when we walk that dusty road? Sore feet, hard hearts, or sore feet, soft hearts. Peter walked 50 Ks. Sore feet, his heart was soft. What's your heart going to be like as you walk? We're all going to walk dusty roads. Sore feet, soft hearts. That's the challenge for us. And uh, they get to Cornelius' house. Cornelius has got his mates and his family together. Wow, they were expecting him. They were expecting God to use Peter. The way we honor God is when we expect him to move in church, out there in the marketplace. And so as Peter walks into Cornelius' house, this Italian military man bows in reverence towards down at Peter's feet, and he says, stand up, stand up. I'm only a man myself. If you missed this last week, we never fear man. We fear God. We never fear man's opinion or their power over us. We fear God. Fear God, don't fear man. Amen? And, and then we see Peter start to preach this sermon. We're going to pick it up here in verse 34. Okay, you with me? Marnie, you with me? Nice to have you, but Peter, Peter says, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. I saw you this morning, Marnie. You walked in, but I didn't greet you, and you think, oh, well. You are God's favorite. There's no favoritism. You, ma'am, sitting at the back, I met you this morning. I won't say your name. You came alone. You are God's favorite. We're sitting at the reception Friday night, party on, ladies dressed to the nines, look incredible. They're taking photos, they're here. They are trying desperately to be somebody's favorite. You are God's favorite. You don't have to do anything to get or win, or try and win God's favor. He loves you just the way you are. Let's keep reading Peter's sermon. Jump to verse 35. God shows no favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him, not an unhealthy fear, fear of reverence, or you don't have to be scared of God, who fear him and do what is right. Say accepts. Accept. Say it again, accepts. What's the opposite of accept? Oh, we got it, Benoni. You got it there, Gav. <laughs> Number one problem in South Africa, rejection. 
People get rejected. Children get rejected. Women get rejected. Men get rejected. Fathers reject their families. Mothers reject their children. Think about that. You see, it's easy for a dad to reject their children because they impregnate and they move on and they impregnate and they move on. And, and, and it's easy for fathers to reject children. But for a mother to reject her children. I spoke to her mom this week. Had a bit of an absent relationship with her mom. Not really close. And she says, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure that that doesn't happen with my young adult daughter. She doesn't want, she, 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 you see, it's deep when a mother rejects her child. It's very deep. You know what the Bible says about mothers rejecting their children? It says in Isaiah 49, though your mother rejects you, God says, I will never reject you. I will not reject you. God accepts you. Do you believe that today? That God accepts you, that his favor rests upon you. You see, when we believe that, and we, and we know that God accepts us. We come to church on a Sunday, and we've been rejected out there. Say, so God accepts me. And, and we sing songs like we did this morning about his love and acceptance for us. And you declare that God accepts you. You speak that over your life. When you sit down after that message on the edge of your seat, God's presence comes, fills this place. You attract the presence of God when you believe that, that God accepts you. Let's read on. But accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling them the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Say peace. That's an incredible verb to have in your life. Peace, eh? When you go horizontal, Eskom load shedding last night in Benoni, and you put your head down on the pillow and you fall asleep, you, you got peace. P peace between you and God. P peace between you and people in your city, your family, your relationships. It's a wonderful, there's no conflict in your heart. No unmet issues in your heart. Whatever you've been through, because let's be honest, this world's not perfect. When you, when you go through stuff, but you've brought it before God, and there's that relationship with that person, it just keeps coming up and keeps coming up and keeps coming. Bring it before God. Let him settle it in your heart. Peace. Amen? You, you know, you walk around shops, and then there's that person, and you're like, mm, I don't even know if I want to go in here. Settle it. Allow God to work in your heart. Is there anything in my heart, God, that I need to sort out between that person? God, I brought it before you. Peace. There was a man at church last week, Sunday, during worship, he opens his eyes, and he looks across, and there's this other person on the other side of the hall, directly in his line, he says, he tells me that they owe him money. He's like, oh, yeah, first time visitor. And he says to me, now, I just close my eyes, I said, God, I'm going to carry on worshiping you, I'm going to forgive, I'm going to release them again. He's got no prejudice, he's got judgment, he's dealt with it. He's able to focus on God and worship. And then after, after the church, oh, he meets this person in the coffee shop, in the queue there. You know, one of those God moments. Like, hey, how's it? Greets that person. Peace. He's brought it before God. That's, that's why he's able to do that. I pray that Freedom Church would be a place where we come, peace, experience God's presence as a church. 
I pray that we would say, God, bring your presence here. Yes, there's stuff there, but I've brought it before you. It's done. God, peace in my heart. We expect God to move in this place. Let's carry on reading. The message God sent, the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Say Lord of all. See in your Bible, it says there, capital L, Lord of all. You see it there. You see it there, but Lord of all. Lord of your tongue. Lord of your time. Lord of your money. Lord of all. Lord of your relationships. Lord of your future. Young adult girls coming here for the first time. To giving God permission to lead you into the future that he has for you. Lord of all. I met a man yesterday at a funeral. I was on my way out. I walked to the back of the house. It was on this incredible pot, plot. And he's, he's standing at the back of the house. He's weeping. I said to him, what's wrong? He says to me, I, I don't know why I'm weeping, but he, he says, why do I have to make Jesus my personal savior? Why do I have to make him the Lord of all? I, I'm a, living a good life. I'm a good oak. I, I said to him, but... Did, did you ask your wife to marry you? And, and you accepted her as, as your wife. She accepted you. You made that commitment. He says, yes, that's what Jesus wants you to do, sir. He wants you to say, Lord, I'm, I'm making you my Lord of my life, my everything. And out of that, your relationship with him starts. Lord of all, Lord of your life, Lord of every aspect of your life. Amen. Lord on the bark, Lord at your house, Lord in your marriage, Lord with, with you, with your mates, Lord of everything. And, and Peter's preaching in Cornelius' house, and Cornelius never thought that he could be saved. He's on the outside. And all of a sudden, as Peter's preaching, God's presence fills Cornelius' house. No favorites. Peace. Everyone's accepted. He's the Lord of all. Paul's given his life to Jesus. Peter has given his life to Jesus. Go and read about Lydia. Lydia's given her life to Jesus. She opens up her home and God's gospel gets preached in her house. She's a businesswoman. The gospel gets spread. Lord of all. Starts using Freedom Church. Starts using another church and another church and another church. He's the Lord of all. Our city starts changing. Fella, where are you, bud? This, this morning's worship, the, the band gets together at Fella's house on Wednesday night. He, he, he starts praying this week. What songs are we going to sing on Sunday? Go and ask God. doesn't just put a quick list together. This, the band practice on Wednesday, but they don't actually practice. They're actually worshiping God. And then Fella stands back and he allows the, the presence of God to, to come and he lead, allows others to lead I think that's what, some of the best worship that you've led, Philip. God's presence comes. There's no favorites. Everyone's accepted. There's a lady whose funeral I had the privilege of doing yesterday. You were there, Elizabeth, and we hear how she used to come and visit Freedom Church. She's, she stays on the north coast. She's in heaven now. But she used to come to church with her family when she was up here in Gauteng. And she's been in church for years. But she says somehow when she comes to this hall, she starts raising her hands. Starts feeling God's presence. Why? It's not nothing to do with us. It's God's presence filling this place. 
verse 37 says, You know what happened through the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Now, why do they mention Nazareth? Why do I say it like that? Because you know what? Nazareth was like a one-horse town where the horse had already died. It's like a no place, but like Benoni, I suppose, you know, they tease us from Santa. It says in John 1, it says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I come out of Benoni. Can anything good come out of Benoni, but? I don't know where you, where you came from or, or your upbringing or what school you went to. I don't know. But Jesus came out of Nazareth. It doesn't matter what town you've come out of. It doesn't matter what school you went to. So it doesn't matter your upbringing, ma'am, or your situation at the moment. Whatever you have come from, God anoints us. And when his power comes upon us, his gospel moves forward. You, you must walk out of here today and say, as Jesus of Nazareth was anointed, so too am I anointed as I go out in the marketplace. Put your name in there. Write your name in there. Whether you're Saki from Springs or Lydia from Lardenburg or Dennis from Donata or Brian from Boxburg, God's anointing comes upon you. Your life starts to count. You start finding yourself living in the ways of God, Joe from Johannesburg. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And oh, how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Why did Jesus, why was he able to do this? Because God was with him. Say God is with him, but God is with him. And if God is with him, then God's with us. If God is with his son Jesus, then we too, as Christ followers, can know that God is with us. We are witnesses of everything he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. If you go and read Galatians chapter 3, it says there, Cursed is anyone who is hung on a tree. Cursed is anyone who is hung on a cross. It goes all the way back to Deuteronomy where it says he was hung on a cross, on a pole to take our curse so that we could be, what's the opposite of cursed? Blessed, T's got it. He took our curse so that you and I could be blessed, so that you and I can live a life of blessing. Not some pastor saying, oh, I'm so blessed. No, no, no. Knowing what the word blessed means, because you understand this theology, that Jesus took your curse, he took my curse, so that we can live a life of blessing. And then verse 43, Peter preaches that Jesus is the one the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in Jesus, everyone who believes in him, will have their sins forgiven through his Name. Don't walk out of here today and feel guilty. Don't, don't walk out of here and look down. Jesus has set you free. If you've brought that thing before Jesus, then in his name, you are forgiven. This is a place, friends, where we preach about Jesus. 
This is a church where we certainly remind each other constantly that when we become Christ followers, God accepts us. We're accepted when we give our lives to Jesus. That because of Jesus, you can have peace with God. This is a church where we're certainly going to challenge each other to make Jesus the Lord of all our lives. Every part of our lives, our future, our marriages, our upbringing. Lord of all, all aspects of our lives. And we trust that His anointing would fill His church. This is God's church. He's putting a family here together in this school hall. And that we would live with His anointing out there. Why? So that people out there who think they are cursed can understand what it really means to live a life of blessing. In Jesus' name.